Blog Talk Radio. I'm Tim Spain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen, how's it going up there in the Commonwealth of Virginia, bud? Um, it's not too bad at all. How's it going with you down there? Going pretty dead gum way. We had a good bit of rain today, uh, so that sort of uh, dampered some stuff I had to do there at work. But it's it was warm this morning. It cooled off, and I think our local weather people say I think by Friday morning we're going to be down in maybe the uh, the uh, upper upper 20s so i guess that's what they call blackberry winter steven <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know we just had a nor'easter just come through this way and it got cold it got rain it got wind and all kinds of crazy stuff out there but you know now it's uh you know it's starting to come back up pretty soon just a little bit well, that's good y'all didn't lose power did you no man we you know we well it kept flickering on and off and on and off for quite some time but you know we we didn't lose anything, thankfully. <laughs> good, good. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, I want to let everybody know we had to move Reverend Joe back. Reverend's going to come on uh, about 7.20 Eastern time. Him and Miss Betty was were at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. They're going to talk about that. We had to bump Gray Galton, uh, uh, driver number 23, Earthwater Toyota for BK Racer. And Ron Devine's going to be coming on here in just a few minutes. He had a prior engagement that he had to get to go to, so he's going to stay on as long as he can. And we, I, I think he's going to present some kind of award or, or something. But I want to let everybody know the number to call in is 215-383-3681. And, Stephen, we had some breaking news come out of uh, of NASCAR. I know you got the PR and I got the PR, and it was about the NASCAR announces the nominees for NASCAR Hall of Fame Class of 2019 Landmark Road, and we got the breaking news. Stephen, if you've got it up in front of you, you want to let some of our listeners know about what on, what all went on today, how they come to the nomination of the uh, of the 20 inductees and how they're going to drop them down to five come, I think, sometime in May. Yes, yeah, so May, um, May 23rd, it's a Wednesday night right before everything kicks off down there in Charlotte for the All-Star and the Cook 600 weekend, those kinds of things that they've got going on down there. Um Five, five more people will be elected into the 2019 Hall of Fame that you put in next January. But this year, we've added five new people uh, to the list that will be represented potentially. Uh, of course, Jeff Gordon, four-time champion in NASCAR uh, Monster Energy Series out there. 
Um, you've also got um, uh, oh, uh, John Holloman and Ralph Moody. They're they're of the Holloman Moody fame back in the sixties and seventies. That went to um, Victory Lane and on many different occasions and two-time champions out there and also have four-time championship winning crew chief Kurt Sheldonine who went to um, who was over top of Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s uh, championship runs as well as many wins and you know him himself a driver also and then you know there's handsome Harry Gant Mr. Mr. October out there, um, he, he is going to be the skull bandit is going to be represented in the next uh, 20 people that will potentially go into the Hall of Fame uh, next January. I, I, right now, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to say it right now, but Jeff Gordon is, is going into the Hall of Fame in January of 2019. He's going to be a four, first ballot um, guy that I don't think there's any question in all the things he's done in this sport. He expanded his sport all the way outside of the southern roots, and he was one of the first people to really be a star power to do that and expand NASCAR. So with everything he's done between that, his four championships, his multiple Daytona 500 wins, Coke 600, um, uh, everything that he's done, I, I think you're, you're going to see him. He'll be the first ballot in. Stephen, I definitely agree, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But right now, we've got our guest coming on. We want to get him on. You know, like I said, he has a prior engagement that he has to attend to. Driver of the uh, the number twenty three Earthboard Toyota for Ron Devine and BK Racing, my good friend, Mister Greg Gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Good evening, Gray. How you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on tonight. I appreciate it. Gray, we appreciate you anytime. And, you know, like I said, I had talked with Rusty earlier. We had to bump you up. And thank you very much for agreeing to move up because I know you got that deal that you got to go. And I got <clears throat> just a couple quick questions because I know I got to talk to you over there at, at the ATL. And uh, I'm going to let Stephen have the most of the time. But I I just want to talk a little bit about Gray. I want to I would like for you to talk a little bit about the logistics as far as the West Coast swing. Exactly how much goes into that as far as you as a driver getting out there back and as far as the team getting the cars out there and back. And it's not just one car. You you had the Vegas car, the Phoenix car, and you got the California car. I mean, it's it's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, you know, the West Coast swing, it's um, you know, it's one of those – it's part of the year where, you know, everybody's trying to get, you know, in a rhythm and, and um, you know, get their stuff together and – and it, it kind of throws a uh, a curveball to all the teams. You know, they're having to unload the race cars at the racetrack, work on them there, and and uh, do final adjustments. You know, b- for the next previous track, which is Phoenix this weekend. Um, but um, I feel like you know our BK racing guys are are doing a good job. You know, I uh, my crew chief just texted me a little bit ago and, and and told me everything was good. You know, they uh, the Phoenix car looks good. It they just put final setup and they're making a couple minor changes uh, right now before they load it back up. 
and uh, head to Phoenix. But um, I love the West Coast Swing personally. You know, three good tracks for me. You know, um, Las Vegas is a really fun racetrack. Phoenix is one of those places that I've won at before and had a really good run uh, last year until we uh, we got taken out because David Reagan was under us and cut a left rear tire. So um, I'm definitely excited about it. You know, um, I, like I said, the team has, has done a good job. They've done their part, and hopefully uh, the old driver can – do his part this weekend and uh, get the uh, Earthwater Toyota Camry a good finish at Phoenix. I'm sure the driver can. And Greg, like I said, <laughs> my final question. I want to throw you back over to. I'm going to throw you over to Steve. I know he's got a ton of stuff going on, but I, I want to get your take on on uh, NASCAR taking the uh, the one crew member out. Uh, you know, you've been in this sport for a few years. You know, you've seen stuff come and go, and it has really slowed down the pit stop. Did that take a lot for you to far, far as getting your mind? that it's going to take that, that bit longer or, you know, just sort of, sort of talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's definitely a big change in NASCAR, um, all the way through, you know, uh, the, the past few years, you know, pit stops has, has been everything. I mean, um, you know, as far as the bigger teams compared to the small teams, you know, uh, I know Joe Gibbs racing, Roush Fenway, uh, Hendrick, you know, they, they had a, they had a, um, a bunch of guys, you know, putting a lot of, or actually they had a budget for their pit guns, and, and now everyone has to get their pit guns from NASCAR. Um, so I feel like it, it's more of an equalizer for the, the small teams compared to the big teams. Um, but as a driver-wise, it's not, you know, it's not too bad. You know, we're, it's only a couple seconds off. You know, I would say three, you know, two to three seconds. So it, it's not a huge jump. You know, you got a little extra time, I guess, uh, to, to catch a breather and maybe get a sip of water uh, while they're doing the left side before they drop, drop the jack. So, um I feel like the biggest change, though, is just the guns and um, and how it equalizes um, from the, the, the top of the field to the very bottom of the field. It kind of keeps everybody on the same playing field. And, Gray, again, thank you very much for taking time out to come on. Good luck this weekend at uh, ISM Raceway and good luck at California. I'm going to throw you over to SpeedwayDigest.com, Stephen Wilson. Look, I look forward to seeing you at a track soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, man, for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Gray. Stephen. Great. Thanks a lot for coming on here tonight. The last couple of weeks has just been just a little bit of a, you know, you, you've been behind the eight ball a couple of times. You've had the steering issue, and then last, last week you you experienced an issue with the engine that put you out of the race. What do you feel that you're having to overcome this year in, in light of some of these issues that, that have cropped up over the past two weeks? Yeah, you know, um, like you said, you, you said it best. You know, um, we've been sort of behind the eight ball a little bit um, the past couple of weeks, but I mean, it's just part of racing. You know, racing, you're it's, it's never going to go your way all the time. You know, that's why uh, as a team and a driver, you got to be able to keep a positive attitude and be able to bounce back. I mean, you know, there's always um, a, a next week. You know, we run 38 of these things, and and yeah, unfortunately, you know, we haven't been able to back up our Daytona run with a solid run because you know, obviously uh, Vegas and and uh, Atlanta didn't go the way we wanted. But um, I, I feel really confident going into uh, the next two West Coast races. And, and I think, you know, Phoenix is one of those places I circle on the calendar that uh, I look forward and, and think we can run well at. So um, hopefully we can get the bad luck out of our, uh, out of our system this weekend and uh, get more of them on a consistent path. You know, the guys have been doing a good job to keep the cars together. And um, hopefully the engine, you know, we don't have any more engine issues. Just one of those deals, so uh, we'll just move on from it and and uh, try to get some good momentum. You know, as the sport has really just become sponsor driven over the year, you got you were initially going into Daytona without a sponsor into the Daytona 500. 
and Earthwater has come back on to the car this year. Uh, they've also been on the car last week and Atlanta also, and moving forward, they'll be on the car some more for you. As a driver, how much do you have to bring into the sport do you feel these days that has changed in the past? Yeah, you know, the, the sport's definitely changed um, tremendously. You know, you know, back in the day, you know, I'd say 10, 15 years ago, obviously I wasn't around uh, racing, but um, I felt like, you know, it was definitely talent-driven. If you could drive, you know, you could get a seat at the table and, and, and be able to showcase your talent, do those things. But, you know, unfortunately nowadays, you know, it is sponsor-driven. It's part of the sport. You know, Fortune 500 companies, you know, are, are coming to the sport left and right. And um, but but all you can do is just try to do the best you can to find uh, partners and sponsors to help you out. So uh, luckily enough, we found Earthwater before Daytona, and uh, they've been a great partner of ours for the past uh, I would say year and a half, two years, you know, with Ron. And and uh, I look forward to you know keep building on our relationship, getting more uh, you know money and funding behind our race cars, our you know the whole team, and just in general, just so we can show our our talent more on the racetrack and and show what we can do, you know. You don't have to be a big team to, to go out and, and run well. You can be a small team like us and uh, prove everybody that we can still get the job done. So definitely uh, wouldn't be possible without Earthwater support uh, the past year and a half. You've moved up throughout multiple series across your career. You've been in the past series, the K&N series. You've been in the Xfinity series as well, uh, the truck series and other things across your career step of the way, you know, you had a major sponsor way back in the day, which happened to like Krispy Kreme because all the uh, dozen mm-hmm. of them at one time. But, you oh, know, yeah. At, 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 <laughs> yeah, especially right off the line. But, you know, at, at, as you know, as you've come up through these and as you've learned each step of the way, uh, what have you taken away from each series that you've uh, raced in and, and the marketing power that you've seen in some of these other series that you're currently in the position today racing in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series? Yeah, you know, it, um, yeah, you know, you, you hit on it best. You know, I had a, a great run with Krispy Kreme for five years um, from when I was 13 to 18, and then unfortunately I got bought out. So it, um, we had a good run there as far as the past series, the Canaan Series. And then, uh, you know, we had to move on with, with different partners and, and, and try to make other deals happen. But, you know, I learned a, a tremendous amount of um, things about the marketing side and, and all those tools that you got to have to make it in this sport, um, which is obviously marketing Fortune 500 companies. And I learned that at an early age, racing super late models, late models, all those things. So um, now, you know, that I made it to the Cup Series, you know, luckily enough, I've, I had a lot of people believe in me, give me opportunities. Uh, and definitely partners that believed in me. So um, I feel like um, if it wasn't for all those, you know, great experiences earlier in life, uh, it wouldn't be possible to make it to the Cup Series. And my final question before I let you get out of here is, is that, you know, you just hit on one thing just a little bit ago where you circled Phoenix on your calendar going forward to hopefully try and turn your the program, not only your program, the BK Racing, but you as a driver and everybody coming together and trying to turn this program around for you. Aside from Phoenix, which we're going to this weekend, what do you feel is going to be your strength in the upcoming schedule as we start getting back from the West Coast and get to a place like Martinsville or some of these other tracks? Yeah, you know, um, I feel like this is the best place for us to build momentum. You know, uh, we need to get through California. California is one of those tracks. We might struggle a little bit, um, but I feel like once we get to Martinsville, that's my track. You know, that's that's probably my best track on the circuit. And, and um, I really think that we could – 
you know, get those solid runs back. And uh, But it all starts – it's always got to start somewhere. you you got to start at a racetrack and build momentum. And I feel like this weekend we're going to a track where we need some momentum because, you know, like I said, you know, we've had bad luck. Um, so I feel like this weekend is going to be um, a good turnaround and good lead, you know, leader into um, into the rest of the season. So we're going to just keep digging. And uh, we've got a lot of people, you know, good people surrounded around us to keep pushing us and, um, and believe in myself, believe in BK Racing. And uh, we're just going to do the best we can and, and see what happens throughout the rest of the season. Great. I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight. Uh, we'll let you get out of here. But before we do, go ahead and let everybody know how they can follow you on social media. Thank all your sponsors and everybody around you that's helping you put this uh, deal together through, through this year. And best of luck through the rest of 2018. Yes, sir. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate y'all's time and uh, having me on the show. But, uh, yeah, just follow me on uh, at Greg Galling on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, all that stuff. And, um, yeah, I want to give a shout-out to Earth Water for, uh, for definitely being a big prior um, – primary sponsor for us for for this season and and being a big backing behind um our program and not only myself but vk racing uh and everybody that believes in us you know like i said we're a small team trying to do the best we can and uh show these big boys that uh we're here to stay and and i feel like we're doing a good job of it and hopefully we can get a good solid run this weekend thanks Mike gray you take care and all right man rest of the 2018 season thank you brother appreciate it bye-bye Greg Gelden there, Stephen. He uh, he talks real well too. You know, talk, just to talk a little bit about that right quick. You know, uh, the uh, NASCAR sends these some of these drivers through what they call a combine. Am I am I right, Stephen? They sort of they let the media sort of uh, sort of hit at them too. And he handles himself as well as any big name driver that I've ever talked to, as far as the media. Yeah, so NASCAR has multiple programs out there, such as the NASCAR Next program, the Drive for Diversity, and some of these other programs that are currently out there for these young and upcoming stars. The rising stars are either coming into the NASCAR National Series or even the K&N Series, uh, as well as, you know, drivers that are trying to learn and try to get out there and make a name for themselves. You know, they have whole marketing departments out there. But part of these things that, you know, they do is try to build drivers' skills outside of the race car. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that they can learn from other races and other teams around them, but NASCAR has a very deep, deep uh, pocket when it comes to uh, the media side of things and learning how to conduct yourself outside of the race car, and especially when you're starting to get in front of TVs or you're starting to get in front of the media or sitting in media um, centers. And, you know, these are things that, you know, they prepare these drivers for, and they've done a really good job a lot of times in, in getting these drivers. I mean, you look at what, how Ryan Blaney has come up. I, I'll tell you this story real quick because, you know, I, I, I kind of have a personal experience with one of these. Years ago when uh, Kyle Larson was uh, racing in the NASCAR Can-N Series with Rev Racing, uh, it was the last race of the year, and it was at Rockingham. They had moved the, the Can-N East Series Championship to Rockingham that year. Kyle Larson – you know, that that was one of those things that they were trying to get him introduced to the media. Um, so they started bringing him around, and he, he started doing these one-on-one interviews with people. And he was very, very nervous as a, as a driver. But he sat on his hands, and, you know, there was somebody there helping him along the way. But, you know, over time, he continued to learn and build upon those skills. And today, he sits in front of a media center or goes on television and they prepared him for that journey that was coming. 
So, you know, you see these drivers, you come in, they come in, they're very nervous. They don't know how to expect or handle things. You know, there are some exceptions out there, like, you know, Chase Elliott, who's been in the spotlight for many, many years, or Ryan Blaney, who's been in the spotlight for many, many years. But there's other drivers like Kyle Larson, who not, you know, a brand name like you would see in Elliott or a Blaney or an Earnhardt or something like that. And he was very new to a lot of these experiences, especially running on dirt, where you don't have a crush of media coming out there. But, you know, um, they prepared him well, NASCAR and everybody around him, Rev Racing and some of these other, you know, um, programs that they have out there to really market these drivers. It shows because now he has the confidence when he gets out there in front of the media. Exactly, Stephen. And just to add to what you just mentioned, uh, nowadays, it's not like it was back in the day when you and I first started following NASCAR and being a part of of NASCAR. You didn't really have all these, uh, all your PR people that's with the driver. You go to the, you go to the PR lady, the PR gentleman, you say, hey, you know, can I speak to uh, Greg Alden? Can I speak to Matt Benedetto? And some of them are just, you know, go right ahead. And some of them want to, you know, wait to this and that. Anyway, Stephen, let's bring on, we haven't brought Reverend Joe on with a good uh, introduction in a long time. And I want to thank Reverend for agreeing to wait and do the invocation sort of backwards because uh, we had Gray come on. But I want to bring Reverend Joe in and let him get the invocation in and maybe, you know, him and Miss Betty, they were there at Las Vegas this weekend. Maybe talk to him about some stuff that went on and see what he's got to say. Let's bring Reverend Joe in with a big bank. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Only fitting for the man that just left Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Reverend Joe, how you doing tonight, my friend? <laughs> I guess we finally found some toys. Yes, sir. We trying to get everything back in line, back in line. Uh, uh, I sort of texted you earlier, and you was. I'm gonna go ahead and tell yeah. everybody. Miss Betty said you was taking a nap. Well, it was. It's been a, it was a long, long weekend, and then kind um, <laughs> of. There was extra days in there and extra hours and extra miles or something. But then I had to run the motor home over to the uh, camping world to get a the satellite system put in for the TV so we can get ready to go off to Phoenix this weekend. So I had to get up yeah, like just 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> oh, God. Is that is that 5.30 your time or 5.30 my time? 5.30 my time. <laughs> <laughs> I just going to aggravate you. Yeah, Reverend, uh, like I said, uh, you know, we had to bring Gray on. I thank you for sort of backing up a little bit, but you got the floor. Let's do the invocation, and we want to talk about what all went on, what you seen at Las Vegas. Let's do it. Lord, we come before you, and we thank you so much for all the great blessings you give us and so many blessings that we don't even see. Just the ability to wake up in the morning and breathe is such a blessing. We thank you for a safe weekend at Las Vegas. We thank you for the safe weekends at other racetracks around the country. We thank you for all you do. 
We ask you to protect our country, watch over our leaders, guide them, watch over our military, watch over the police and all those, the firemen, and all those people who keep us safe every day. And we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to, to give his life for our sins. Even though he was sinless, he died so that we would have an entrance into heaven. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Reverend Joe. And, we, you know, like I said, we just had Greg Alden on, and uh, he was talking about the West Coast Swing, and we talked about logistics and all and about BK Racing coming back and, uh, you know, trying to get ever trying to get get back up on their uh, feet and everything. But you and Miss Betty, that y'all were out there, and uh, it was a little cool and windy. I know one. I think it was was it was it Friday or Saturday that the wind really got up out there, River. Actually, the wind was pretty intense every day, but Friday was the worst. Uh, and I think more than anything, it was the fact that being a night race, um, the daytime sun. We had it in the beginning of the race, but as it went down, it got cooler and cooler, and the wind felt much more cold, you know, much more brisk, I guess I wanted to say. So it was um, it was challenging, and the drivers um, were, he was saying that the front stretch wasn't bad because with the curve in it and the stands, the wind didn't affect you terribly. But when you got in the back stretch, it was pushing you down the back stretch which to most people sounds you as that's great, extra push, extra boost. But the wind kept changing so much that you get a boost of it going down the back stretch, getting near the corner, which is a little hairy anyway, and all of a sudden the wind either picks up or lets down. So, if, you know, your stride is all thrown off. And almost everybody all weekend said they were having a problem with just knowing or anticipating what the wind was going to do and being ready for it either way, which is a challenge. Las Vegas is a tough speedway as it is. A lot of great competitors, and it, it was just everybody all weekend said that their not fear of the wind, but respect for the wind was a little bit hairy. Yeah, and uh, Reverend, I was fortunate enough to actually go out to Las Vegas Motor Speedway back in 2009 and watch a uh, oh. watch the Xfinity race and Cup race back then, and. Uh, and I can remember this, you know, you've talked about temperatures and when I can remember this like it was yesterday. It was seventy five degrees. And you know how it is out there, there's no humidity. Seventy five degrees and there were people in shorts and I had a I had long pants on and a jacket. It's just and where Las Vegas Motor Speedway is right there off of I fifteen beside Nellis Air Force Base. It's sort of down in a hole between them mountains you know you, you can see the mountains when you're watching your race on tv off right outside of turn two and you got them behind you also it's it's sort of like it funnels that wind through there am i correct river yep that's and that's exactly where the situation is all the way down and through california though they run the the main highways between the mountains and you you end up with the um the wind trapped in there um Nellis Air Force Base across the street. A shout out to them, the Air Force boys that worked so hard to keep us safe. You know, you get an air show there all day long, which is kind of neat. You get a flyover of sorts. Uh, sitting in the stands, you can watch the, the you know, the planes going. But Friday, there weren't any. It was, I think it was too windy for them to even practice. Yeah. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know it would. And remember, my final question before I hand you over to Stephen, I know Stephen's probably got a lot of questions for you. The uh, the uh, tower, we've been talking about that since I left the ATL. And Stephen and I have done them a couple live shows from over there. We've talked to drivers about the tower wear edit, that Atlanta, and the big discussion about, you know, we've talked about this. We've beaten a dead dog. Are we going to repave the ATL? It's eating the tires up. We actually had a tire issue this weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I didn't think anybody seen that coming, Reverend, did they? No, and, I, and you know, the biggest thing that, um, having been a racer myself for years and being around it all these years, and it's been over 50 years, the thing is, you never know what's really going on when somebody has a tire problem. Whether that particular car has their um, toe-in, toe-out, all all the caster, camber, all those things affect tire wear. And if they've gone a little too far in one direction or the other, they can wear a tire down really quick where nobody else is having a problem. And all of a sudden, they're off into the wall. And and there were some crazy things going on there all weekend. but you know everybody's playing the game, and this new this new uh, scanner for the cars it doesn't allow for any garbage, and it's a pretty neat setup. Some of the guys didn't like it because they got caught, but uh, I think it's a pretty neat setup. Sometimes you eat the bear, sometimes the bear eats you, right, River? Yes, yeah, sometimes you're the windshield, and sometimes you're the bug. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. Reverend, I want to thank you for being our loyal Reverend. Thank you for everything that you've done for Stephen and I and Suzanne. And uh, uh, be safe this weekend going to uh, Phoenix, and I'm going to throw you over to, to, to Stephen Wilson. Thanks, Reverend. You're welcome. Hey, man, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight. Um, first thing I want to go back to this weekend is if you take a look at the Camper World Church Series event versus the other two events this weekend held at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, you know, I think we can arguably say that the Camp World Truck Series had probably one of the best uh, races competitive-wise over the other two. Um, just want to get your thoughts on, you know, why that track may be a little bit more racy for those trucks versus the, the Xfinity or the Monster Energy Series. Well, you know, the, the trucks are more of a hot rod. They really are. They're, they're um, I think, for the drivers, they're more fun to drive, and because of the way they're laid out, they they're, they can get, they can do more jockeying around with them. They can play a little bit more. Um, talking to many of the drivers, especially some of the guys who've been around a while, you know, they speak about how it's it's like short track racing even when you're on a long track because. The trucks are much more maneuverable. Yeah, and so, yeah, so when you're talking about that a little bit out there, especially in Las Vegas, you know, we always come back to the whole thing about this 1.5 mile racetrack uh, and how they each have different characteristics out there. Las Vegas itself is, you know, somewhere in between, I guess you would say, Kansas and uh, Auto Club Speedway at this point. Um, you know, the tire, I mean, the, the surface hasn't worn in enough to where we get the 
the racy grip, two, three, sometimes four wide um, throughout the race um, at like a place like Auto Club Speedway. But, you know, there's a lot of strung out racing at the same time, like we see at a Kansas from time to time. So, you know, the characteristics of these tra- this track out there in, in Las Vegas, just from, you know, you being out there, and obviously I've never been there, so, you know, I'm getting your opinion on this. What is it that, you know, either the track or NASCAR may be able to do with this to try and close some of these cars back up at a place like that? I'm not really sure. Um, I think you're going to see some much better racing as this season moves forward. Um, because the the tracks, the old, the ones that are older, I personally think um, lend themselves to better racing because it's more in the driver's hands. And with the new rule package, especially in the Xfinity series, the new engine and the truck series, um, it's it's these guys are trying to figure it out. And the truck series, especially with the new engine deal, um, somewhere in the older engine, some running this new engine that is pretty much a crate motor where they're all the same is pretty interesting. And speaking with David Gilliland, who we'll have on on the show here in a few weeks, uh, speaking with him and Todd, David told me that he figured that these motors would save them alone at least $400,000 this year. Um, so as they all learn to tune them up and figure them out, um, and, all, and that new body on the Xfinity Series car is really something. Uh, I think you're going to see everything change over the next few weeks as these guys get further into the season using all these new things. The other thing I see, and, and having been a driver becomes more noticeable than me, is drivers tend to come over the radio and complain about the things that the cars are doing Um, I think it's in two purposes. Number one, because they might not be happy with some of these new things and and really want to make sure everybody knows it. The other thing is no driver ever wants to look bad. So if he can complain through the whole race and the car stops to drive, if he ends up coming home with a decent finish, he can brag about being really good. If he has a lousy finish, he blames the car. It's just that simple. Going out to Phoenix this week, this is the last time on this configuration before they move the start-finish line from the front stretch around to what is now currently in turn two, just outside of the dog leg that, you know, will make a more competitive race, especially for that line. Uh, you know, this is one of the, this is another track here, you know, at Tim's home track, you know, it's 14, 1500 yards away from the trial, and it's not in the center of the race, so, you know, I mean, the, uh, the sorry, uh, sorry, it's blah. I can't talk tonight, man. <laughs> you know, the, the the start finish line at Talladega isn't in the center of the tribal out, out there. So, you know, Phoenix is trying something new. They're going to move it back there, uh, right just off the dog leg out there. You know, uh, as drivers and, you know, as they start moving uh, this out there, what do you think drivers are going to have to do when they get back in the fall? Well, I think it's going to be exciting because, there's a lot of things that are being changed. And, you know, the start-finish line being in a different spot is really a neat idea because before you came off what was turn four, and it was basically a straight line to the finish line, 
that you could run wide open. Now you're going to have a start-finish lane that's kind of in a spot that's going to be a little trickier. You won't be able to run straight at it wide open without thinking about it. And I think it's going to show who really has the talent and who doesn't. I'm excited about the new layout for many reasons. I mean, when they repaved the track a few years ago, nobody knew, well, very few people knew, that they'd actually moved the tunnel. They'd put in another tunnel underneath the section right near turn two. And that's going to be a lot handier for us folks out in the campground, but it ought to make an interesting layout in the garage area. And they're putting in a new media center. Uh, it's going to make the place look completely different. And I think it's going to be great, though the older surfaces are great too. So it's going to be interesting when we go back there in the fall to see how the drivers handle it. I think it's going to be in a, uh, a real racer's, a driver's situation, and especially since it's in the chase, it's the last race before the finale, and being that, um, by then they should have their cars sorted all out. Now you throw a whole new racing situation at them, which I think will be really exciting. Well, Reverend, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight. Obviously, I can't talk very good. I'm 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 struggling over here to kind of talk sometimes, and I, I trip over my tongue. Um, but you know, I do appreciate you taking the time to come out here. Have fun when you get to uh, uh, Phoenix's. Well, ISM, you know, they're they're probably going to you yep. know make a dollar in the jar every time that I say Phoenix. But you know. Uh, it's been Phoenix since 1988, so you know we'll just continue calling it Phoenix. I agree. I've been I've been kicking that around in my head, and you know they they had all the the new signs out from what I hear, and we got our our parking package in the mail, and it included a new sticker with their new emblem and such. When I first looked at it, I was like, "What in the world is this about?" Then I remembered, "Oh, that's right. They're changing everything." So. It'll be interesting. It's always nice to have new sponsors and additional sponsors coming into the sport and helping us keep it going, you know? Yep, that's for sure. Well, have fun out there. Be safe on the road. And um, I don't know if Tim's got anything else for you, but I'm going to let him drop in here and see, you know, before we go. Great talking to you, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah, Reverend Joe, I don't really have much. I just want to tell you – you and Miss Betty, y'all be safe. And uh, are you going to go to to California, too? Are you going to Auto Club? Yeah, California is only 35, 40 miles from my house. That's an easy one. I can sleep okay. in my own bed every night. So, <laughs> yes, well, so the motorhome has my own bed in it, too, so that's good. Either which way. But, yes, we'll be doing both, and we'll be giving you a report on both. And uh, we will be talking to you next week. Folks can look right, me right. up at... But they can look me up at ontrackwithjesus.org. They can email me at ontrackwithjesus at AOL.com. And they can call me at 951-232-7630. And I want to thank all the good people out in Las Vegas who always, 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 always give us a great time in the media and uh, take good care of everyone. And then the Gone family for taking care of us. So uh, we had a place to stay this weekend, and uh, we will talk at you next week. Amen, Reverend Joe. And like I said again, you and 
you and Miss Betty be safe going to ISM. We'll talk at you next Tuesday, Reverend. All righty. Thank you. Have a good week. You too, Reverend. Thanks, Reverend Joe. That was Reverend Joe there, Stephen. Uh, ooh, we've had a we've had a long night. I want to get back to Stephen if I can. Uh, I don't want to really not talk about what Reverend Joe talked about, but we didn't have much time to talk about the uh, the uh, Hall of Fame class of 2019. We talked some right there before Gray come on, and I know you had mentioned some of the uh, some of the ones that was uh, some of the 20 nominees that are up for induction. And I want to throw in there Davy Allison. Uh, He's one of the 20 nominees. Uh, he has 19 wins in the NASCAR Premier Series. He also won the 1992 Daytona 500. You got Buddy Baker's in there. Uh, Red Farmer, another Alabama guy. You know, three-time late model sportsman champion. You got Ray Fox back in there again. And you mentioned handsome Harry Gant. And just to scroll down a little bit more to uh, the landmark award, Barney Hall. I believe it's going to be between Barney Hall and Ralph Seagraves, my good friend Colbert Seagraves, that's his father, Ralph. Uh, Ralph was big in uh, the R.J. Reynolds stuff, Stephen. I think he was big in, excuse me, helping get the Winston partnership in there. I mean, there's just, there's so many names here that, that you know, you, you want to put all 20 in, but there, you just can't put all 20 in, Stephen. Yeah, every year there is always this struggle to figure out that these stacked lists that are provided and all the stats and everything that comes along with it. You know, there you know, we continue to say, you know, there's a lot of people on here. You can look at Davy Allen and Buddy Baker as just a couple already. You know, both of them have passed away. Um you got Harry Hyde in there, Alan Kowicki. I mean, these people are all people that have been around this sport for a very, very long time, had done a lot for this sport for a very long time. And, I mean, you can even go and start looking at some of the newer people, I, you know, newer in the aspect of, you know, they're even still involved into the sport. Like you take uh, Roger Penske, you take uh, Jack Roush, you take some of those. Bobby Labonte still is involved into the sport through his PR company. There's a lot of people that, you know, you can make a case for every single one of them that they all should just go in every single year. But unfortunately you can only put five in. And, uh, you know, while I'm of the opinion that Jeff Gordon will, will make it in this year on the first ballot, I don't think that there's, I may be surprised, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, he, he will be in, um, just based on some of the things that I already talked about, but, you know, um, you know, Alan Quickie, you know, an underfunded team out there, 92 champion that uh, had just a lot of success in being independent and one of those drivers that could do that. But unfortunately, you know, lost his life, you know, in this sport in the same aspect that Davey Allison had done. So, um, you know, I, I, we could just go on all night long. And then as far as the landmark award, I mean, every single one of those people are, um, deserving. Uh, you know, everything, everybody from Janet Garfrey, she was the first female to compete in the sport of NASCAR. Uh, you know, you got Barney Hall. He, he um, helped found MRN along with um, Ken Squire. I mean, Alvin Hawkins, you know, first flagman in the sport, Jim Hunter, which, you know, really not only just as an executive and, you know, a, a 
the president of Darlington Raceway, but he kind of took the media in the sport in a totally different direction as we were exploding in popularity. And then you've already talked about Ralph Seagraves, you know, somebody that was instrumental in bringing Winston in for 33-plus years um, to this sport, the longest-running sponsor that we've had. And, you know, all the things that they did from the Winston Million to, you know, the um, No Bowl to, you know, you can think of dozens of other marketing opportunities that were presented to NASCAR just because of Ralph Seagraves and really just being instrumental. And, I mean, you – you not only have to thank Ralph for that, but you also have to thank Junior Johnson, who kind of introduced Ralph to this sport and uh, brought him into the NASCAR executives to start that 33 years. So, I mean, no matter what you do, I mean, there, it's very hard to kind of whittle this down. You're exactly right, Stephen, especially <clears throat> the list that NASCAR has uh, sent to you and I this time. I mean, this is this is a this is a big name list, and then, like you said, every one of them needs needs to be in there. But I'm going to put a check mark beside Jeff Gordon, uh, just like you said. There's no way Jeff is not going in. Jeff will be a uh, 2019 Hall of Fame inductee member. I mean, he's going to get in the top five. He's going to go in. There's just no way that they cannot put him in. And, Stephen, uh, the eligibility for this, uh, I've had people ask me, well, how can Jeff Gordon be eligible? Well, here is how Jeff Gordon is eligible. Drivers who have competed in NASCAR for at least 10 years and have been retired for two years are eligible for nomination in NASCAR Hall of Fame. That's one of them, Stephen. And then there's another one down here. In addition, drivers who have competed for a minimum of 10 years and reached their 55th birthday on or before December 31st, the year prior to the nominating year, immediately eligible for the National Hall of Fame. I'm on the road talking. But, I mean, you know, just to talk, there's, they have a, uh, you know, you got to, the eligibility, you can't just, you can't just say, I'm going to retire, and boom, next year you're going to be in there. That's why Jeff Gordon is in the, in the group of 20 this year. Correct, Stephen? Yeah, he had to wait. Um, you know, he just left this sport just recently, well, from a driving capacity, and he will, you know, he's been on Fox Sports. This will be his second season into it, so 2019 would be his eligibility. So this is why he has an opportunity in 2019 to get into to the to the Hall of Fame, which by all indication, um, there's no reason why not to put him into the sport, I mean, into the Hall of Fame. Um, but, you know, there's just tons of other people out there that we have to look at at the same time. No matter, you know, whether it's Jeff Gordon or who it is, you know, those other four spots are going to be at a very much of a premium as to who is going to be in those spots. And, you know, honestly, if it was me, it would take, you know, more than just the homework that is provided by NASCAR. I think it's going to have to really be um, – circumstances that this sport has really grown and built by and some of these people that have laid a foundation to the sport as well as, you know, Jeff Gordon, obviously. Right, Steve. And uh, let some of our listeners know also the way that the way that the voting goes, NASCAR has a voting panel. They pick a uh, a, a voting panel and I if I'm not wrong, I think there's a there's a fan vote also too, Stephen. Far as NASCAR.com, there's far as the voting that goes to get these these five out of this twenty to go into the Hall of Fame. They do it 
sort of like it, dude. I'm just talking out of the top of my head because I can't remember. Yeah, so you've got the fan vote, which will be a part of all of this process out there. That That is one vote that is taken into consideration, and that is one of the votes that will go against the total tally out there. Uh, but, you know, you've got to – um, you've got an entire panel of 30-plus people that sit on to this, and it's everybody from people that are inside of the sport, such as executives of the sport. You've got media that's involved. You've got previous champions, and, you know, um, you know, they, there's one spot reserved for the previous um, Cup Series champion that sits on to this, as well as previous other champions on to this that will sit on to this board. So, I mean, there's lots of people from many backgrounds from the executive level down to drivers down to media and track owners and everybody else um, that will all be a part of this exactly Steve. and uh you know i think nascar has done a real good job nascar with the the media and everything about setting this up for its guidelines and everything i don't think nothing needs to be changed and you know once this comes down there's going to be some people just going to say Stephen, Tim, why didn't this one get in? Well, you know, you got this one. And, you know, you, you're, there's no way you can please everybody, Stephen. There's no way. Stephen, we're coming up here on getting close to the top of the hour. Do you have, I don't have it, as usual, do you have everything going on this weekend at ISM Speedway there in Phoenix, the Valley of the Sun? Let everybody know what's going on this weekend. It's another big weekend. And, and like you and Reverend Joe were talking about, this is the last configuration of that track. And... Stephen, Kevin Harvard's done one, two in a row. He won it at the ATL when Suzanne and I was over there, and he won this past weekend at Las Vegas. And he's known as, like you called Harry Gant, Mr. October. Kevin Harvard's known as Mr. Phoenix also, Steve. Yes, he has. I mean, when you take a look at his record there at ISM Raceway, um, he has been able to get himself into the championship by getting in, uh, by by going on and, he, and winning that race. Uh, in previous years, so I mean, he very well knows how to get around this place in its current configuration. But as far as this weekend is is concerned, uh, on Friday, all times are going to be Eastern Time, so we have five fifteen Friday afternoon, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying. Then back over on to Saturday, uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying. That is at one o five. Then the Xfinity Series of uh, race out there which will be uh, 200 laps, 200 miles for those guys. And on Sunday, 3.30 p.m. Oh, yeah, by the way, when we're talking about some of this, we're going to set our clocks ahead. So we're all going to lose a little bit of sleep this weekend before Sunday. Uh, So Sunday, 3.30 p.m., Sorry, I had to go there. Go ahead. Breaking news on the time change. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so 3.30 on Sunday, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, Ticket Galaxy 500, 312 laps, 312 miles around this um, one-mile track out there in the desert, the Valley of the Sun, final configuration for them before we start moving some things around in the fall. Uh, I think it'll be fun. I think we'll, um, you know, Kevin Harvick is, again, somebody you've got to continue to look at um, this weekend. And, you know, he has swept the the West Coast swing once before. Um, can he do it again? Well, he's certainly on the roll to try. Exactly, Stephen. 
And uh, everything's going to be on. Is it? Uh, do we have Fox again this weekend for the for the Monster Energy Cup race? Steve and I hadn't even looked. I had to put you on the spot. I know we got F. We got Fox Sports One. I know we got MRN. Uh, I know we got Sirius XM. That's our channel ninety. Is it? Is it going to be on uh, the regular channel Fox, or is it going to be on? Uh, yes, it, it is going to be. Yes, it is going to be on Fox again um, for the Tiki Galaxy 500. Okay, all right, Stephen. That sounds good. Let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media. Your website. You got the floor, bud. You can follow me at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Speedway Digest, uh, SpeedwayDigest.com. Um, thanks a lot, Tim. Appreciate you being on. Helping me along with my stuttering stu- tongue this week because I just can't talk at all. Um, hopefully next week I'll be better at this. You'll be fine, Stephen. Like I said, thank you again. Thank you for everything that you do for the sport. And tell AM and the boys we said hello. And uh, I'm Tim Despain, just south of the Monsters 2.66 Mile Tidal Super Speedway and the Pit Stop Radio. Tim Spain and Stephen Wilson, and I want to thank uh, Suzanne for answering her phone tonight. She's a little bit under the weather, but she done really well, and so I want to want to thank her. And we will we will be back next next Tuesday evening, same same bat channel, same bat station, and we will have another guest. We will be posted on social media. Stephen, y'all have a good one. Stay warm up there. Talk at you next Tuesday, bud. Talk to you. See you, bud. You boys better hold on because I'm gonna have to stand on it. Take a dirt road curve with the devil's nerve, make a car dance across the mud, and holler and shine with his regular lines, and the track got in his blood. With a real hot shot, and he bragged a lot, but man, that fool could drive. Cause he loved the feel of the steering wheel, and the girls with the bedroom eyes. And in a race of fight, or a barroom fight, old Stroker stole the show. A backstretch blazer, a real hell razor, and a racetrack Romeo. Mama, lock your daughters up, that's wild bunch back in town. Cause a bandit's on your tail It's a downright joy for a country boy When he hears them engines moan But you gotta hang up And it gets real rough When you're out there on your own Cause they'll push you around They'll knock you down They'll shove you up against the wall And you always know when the engine blows That a man can't win them all you could push that car just a little too far any Sunday afternoon. And if you break your neck, some damn fool wreck, they forget about you soon. But old Stroke Race was born to race, and it's worth all the trying. Just to drink champagne in the victory lane and to hear that concrete wine. Stroker, get your dander up, this ain't no time to lie. You got to make a lap up if you're gonna take that check or slide. Cause you're blowing off their door.